Hey, it's Real Talk with Nina. I'm Nina. Shit is about to get extra real today. I have Jonathan Beal on again as a guest. If you didn't see a previous episode on bisexuality with Jonathan Beal, please check it out. He's incredible. The conversations that we have together, perhaps I'm biased, but they're incredible. They're deep, they're challenging, and they're uncomfortable. And I'm going to put a content warning right up front. This entire episode is about violence against women. It is about the Me Too movement. It is about how our culture encourages men to be a certain way and how it encourages women to be very small and constantly on guard and always wondering if something is our fault. And so I'm putting that up front that this this is not an easy conversation for for anybody and that's exactly why i'm having it and jonathan is an amazing sounding board the fact that he's a man and we can still have this conversation and he's been through a lot of evolutionary experiences on his end that he's going to speak to so i'm really excited to have him on again and to have this conversation this is not something i have ever spoken about in a public forum. So, you know, I'm leaning in as well. I believe in owning our own shit and we're about to do that. So I'm going to bring him on right now. Hi, Jonathan. Hello. (laughs) I just introduced the episode and I put a mega content warning on there because this conversation is most likely going to be very uncomfortable for a lot of people, whether they have been through an experience of assault or violence or not. And it actually doesn't matter what gender you are either, because this affects every single human being on the planet. So I wanted to put that out there right in the beginning, that this is an uncomfortable conversation. And I also don't sugarcoat or 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 kind of float lightly around uncomfortable topics because it wouldn't be Real Talk with Nina if I faked a conversation. So uh, welcome, Jonathan. Thank you so much again for being on. I was saying how, you know, you have challenged me in the past on our bisexuality in men episode, and I really couldn't have just any guy to talk about this. So you it was an intentional choice. And so I'm really happy and I'm honored that you agreed to come on again to talk about something that's super vulnerable for both of us for, for different reasons. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. And I'm, uh, I'm apprehensive and excited about where this conversation is going to go. <laughs> so. Which I feel like even in the lighthearted episodes is probably how most guests feel when they come on my show. Yeah. <laughs> really sure where it's gonna go because it's you Nina but we're just gonna roll with it and if we have to take anything out we'll just take it out (laughs) so I know we spoke before I started recording just to kind of you know bring everybody up to date you you recently posted on your Instagram a really really vulnerable and difficult post Uh, especially right now with all of the media kind of just spinning on violence against women. And lately, the the most is the Asian and Pacific Island women and all of these. It's just a whole bunch of violence against women right now in the media. So for you to choose now to post something like that was 
courageous and I'm sure probably scary on your part, but I was so happy to see the comments that were coming in, even from women saying, you know, holy shit, that was really hard, I'm sure. And thank you for for going first and for putting yourself out there and for admitting that there was some really asshole behavior and you can still change and you're still a good man. And I, and I want, you know, any man out there to know that previous shitty behavior most likely is a response to the culture that we've all been raised in and you owe it to yourself and everyone on this planet to lean into your shit, own it and, and make a change. And that seems to be exactly what you did. So can you share with us about that post, what triggered you to post that and a little bit about that whole part of you? We have been over in the UK dealing with the disappearance of a, uh, uh, a young lady um, in London who was just walking home. Right. And so it was really in the news and it was kind of everywhere and we were all talking about it. And I, I think even the day before I'd posted something, uh, I saw somebody put up their experience, right? And and it wasn't, um, I've been followed home and killed. It was, these are the little things that men do to me that have done to me in the past that also are a part of this problem. And just immediately I was like, oh my God, okay. Um, you know, this is a, this is something I have had conversations with people about in the past, but not necessarily confronted it in a way that could make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, today's the day. And I got in touch with a friend of mine. I, I, I kind of writ written the first bit and I got in touch with a female, close female friend of mine and was like, you know, I want to, I want to do this thing and help me with this. And because I, you know, I'm still learning. I recognize that I'm probably writing this through my own filters. And so I want to, I want to do the right thing here. And that was painful in and of, in and of itself, right? Because what I've noticed in, in, or what I was, what was reflected back at me was that even in my apology, like the first draft of it, it was like, you're making it about you and this isn't about you. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, yep, got it, right? Like, I really, I know now, like, I, I understand and thank you for holding me accountable, right? And so for me, it was like, I need to share this because men need to get it. Mm -hmm. men need to understand that it isn't just rape and death it's everything up until that as well and that includes the tiny microaggressions or the misogyny or anything that makes any woman feel unsafe or um in danger or you know it's all of those things the 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 uh expectation to perform or or give sex or you know whatever it may be mm -hmm. because the man is physically bigger or physically stronger and so I have no choice or society set up in a way that well men must always get what they want right and my intention for it was never that I feel better because I don't right mm -hmm. like sharing it sharing it and having these conversations 
isn't about me giving myself a pat on the back and saying, oh, you've apologized now, so it's all good. Because that's not it, right? It's not, I, I still get upset now thinking about it because I don't feel better. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have these conversations, nobody can heal. Right. Nobody can grow. You were speaking about a specific relationship with a woman during that time of your life where you were you were publicly apologizing. And, and I didn't take it that you were apologizing just to her. It was very much like, I think he's apologizing to women for his behavior. I mean, the post was was beautifully written. I should actually, I'm just going to pull it up because there's a, a, a piece of it that... Um, that stuck out to me because as I was saying before, it was like, I didn't, I didn't think you were quote unquote, one of them. But what I'm thinking is I feel like most men that have grown up in this culture uh, and women and, and, and anyone in between all of us have this internalized messaging that is misogynistic. It is. And I, it doesn't make us bad people. It makes us a product of our environment. And we're also responsible to challenge the shit that isn't right, you know, or that hurts other people, myself included. This isn't just like, oh, it's a guy thing. It's all of us. It's all of us. So you have this adorable picture of you in what Bali, I think you were, right? Somewhere Where, like that, Southeast Asia. Yeah. And you said I'd wanted, I've wanted to apologize for a long time for the things I did in that relationship, and I'm sorry that I have not done so before. And I want to highlight how my how our behavior as men affects the women in our lives deeply. And you were saying that I'm sorry for gaslighting you and making you think my problems were your problems, for making you think you were crazy, for keeping you at arm's length emotionally while making you think I was all in, for not having the courage to commit to you and fulfill that commitment. For holding our relationship ransom because of my narcissistic behavior. I'm sorry for weaponizing sex, pushing my inability to be intimate in a real way on you and doing nothing for either of our insecurities. But most of all, I'm sorry for convincing, manipulating, forcing you to have sex when it was a very, very clear no. I'm sorry I used my physical strength and your culturally ingrained fear of men to serve my own needs at the expense of yours. I'm sorry for keeping you on the end of an emotional string as if you were my property. I will never do this again to anyone. I'm sorry I made it your responsibility to put my needs before yours. I'm sorry that I manipulated you into disregarding your own needs to make me happy. I'm sorry that I used sex to do this. I'm sorry that I became part of the problem. I loved you and I should have done better by you. It was never your fault or responsibility to keep me happy sexually or emotionally. I apologize unreservedly for being that person. And it continued more in the comments, right? And and I think so many people who read that, I, I mean, I can only speak for how I responded, but it kind of triggered a lot of things in me going, wait, I feel like I've been on the receiving end of that stuff in the past. And I don't think it ever really stood out to me because... I wasn't penetrated violently. And so therefore, I was never a quote unquote victim of assault. So when the Me Too movement was going on, um, I remember 
sitting there vividly reading all these posts and all of these women putting hashtag me too on all of their posts. And I remember making an intentional decision not to engage in that movement on social media. And it wasn't because I didn't want to make a wave. It wasn't that I didn't think that it was accurate or it wasn't that I didn't think it was a problem. Of course it is. I didn't think that my experiences were me too worthy. And that never troubled me until now at 40, where I kind of was like, wait a minute, I think, <laughs> I think that stuff was actually really bad that happened. And just because I wasn't penetrated doesn't mean I wasn't traumatized or on the receiving end of this horrible, misogynistic, toxic, scary behavior. My first experience was when I was young, I don't know, eight, seven, with my neighbor. Uh, he was my age and was terrifying and would do things like, and it's, it's weird because I've never, I've talked about this to a few people in my life, but never in this like public, you know, and I think a lot of it is because I think I'm embarrassed that I didn't, I wasn't tougher. I think I'm embarrassed because I have always felt like a really strong woman but maybe I, I'm not. I, I, and I think that's where a lot of this, this, you know, silence comes from. But I remember many things with him, but one of them, I was at his house and um, I was peeing. I was in the bathroom and he knocked on the door and I was like, I'm, I'm in here. And he came in to the bathroom and shut the door behind him. And I didn't say anything. I was completely silent and he said, I tried to make a joke. Like I can't pee in front of anybody. Like I have like, you know, some, you know, making a joke. And he said, no, you need to, you need to pee. And I remember, and I seriously, I might've been seven or eight and I, and I'm 40 now. So it was quite a while ago. I remember closing my eyes and imagining myself on a beach to try um, to try to relax enough to pee. And I did, I guess. And he left and nothing was ever said. And about maybe 10, 15 years ago, I was talking about this with my parents and I've always been very close to my parents. And I was telling them, we were talking about this, this kid again. And uh, my mom said, well, it didn't help that he had scissors to your neck. And I was like, what? He didn't have scissors to my neck. She goes, Nina, you came home and you told us that day, you told us what happened. And you told us that he had scissors in his hand. And to this day, I don't remember the scissors at all. I don't remember the scissors at all. So 
there was that. So it isn't always sexual. And it wasn't, I didn't feel that it was sexual in the moment. I didn't feel like he wasn't trying to touch me. He wasn't like, show me your, it wasn't. He literally just stood there in the bathroom and said, go ahead and pee. And I remember being like, uh, I can't. And he's like, mm, no, you need to. And I remember I didn't make a, we weren't home alone. We were like eight. His parents were home. I didn't make a noise. I didn't, I was afraid that if I did one, he would get angrier. And two, I would get in trouble for having a boy in the bathroom. Like I would, I would get in trouble for having their son in the bathroom. Like somehow this was my fault for allowing him in the bathroom with me. And that one stuck out big time. Cause I just remember I immediately went, you have no choice in the in this matter. So whatever you need to do to pee, you need to do it. And I just remember putting my elbows on my knees and closing my eyes and going, you're at Ocean City, New Jersey. Was my, it still is. It's like, I love, that's been a family vacation forever. And I went, just go to Ocean City in your head. Just go to Ocean City in your head. It wasn't like, should I scream? Should I, none of that went through my head. It was, you need to do this. So whatever you have to do, go ahead and do it. And I think a, a lot of the other experiences with this particular kid were, were very much like that. It was a psychological fuck. It, none of it was ever sexual. It was all, all mental. And things like he was teaching me how to throw baseball in his front yard. And I always loved when we'd play together because I thought that I was safe when he was in a good mood or when he was nice to me. I was like, whew, like I'm on his good side, right? And he was teaching me to throw a baseball the way that the pros do, like when you bring your knee up and you throw, and I was like super discombobulated, but whatever. And he said, I'll give you three chances to throw this baseball correctly. And if not, um, I get to do something to you. Like I get, you get punished essentially. And I was like, okay. So I threw it perfectly fine all three times. And he said, no, I didn't. So he told me to go stand up against, this is in broad daylight, mind you. Um, he told me to go stand against the tree, like to, with my, like facing the tree. And I was like, okay, again, wh what am I going to do? Right. In my head, I couldn't scream. I couldn't, I just, just do what he says. And so I went up to the tree and he pitched the ball at my back. It was a baseball. It was like an actual baseball. So that started it at a, at a very young age. And then throughout life, at different phases, different things have happened where I responded exactly the same. It didn't matter how old or woke I was. It didn't matter. I was immediately brought to the space of don't make noise. Just, just do it. And even in, in middle school, I had experiences that were sexual, that were traumatizing and fed into the body image issues that girls have about their vaginas. It was almost like this backwards slut shaming. I was always a very, very quote unquote good girl. I was always very worried about what anybody would ever think of me if I did anything with a boy. And he knew that. 
and he kept trying to go down my pants, which was like a big no-no for me at that time. I think I was in seventh or eighth grade. And that was like, nobody can touch that. You know, we were sitting downstairs in my basement. I had a friend over who was dating his friend. So the four of us were downstairs and he tried to go down my pants. And I was like, no, 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 no. And he continued to literally, I'm holding his wrist back and he continued to, and he ended up touching it. And I was like, stop. And he's like, Nina, and this was his reasoning. He said, I already touched it. So your fears of being a slut, if a guy touches you, like it already happened. Now I can, now it doesn't matter. Right. So now I can fully do it. And I was so disgusted with myself that I even allowed him to go near me that I believed him. I was like, you know what? You're right. You already touched my, you already touched me. So whatever slut shaming I'm going to have to face, I'm going to have to face it anyway. So you might as well do what you want to do. And so he, he fingered me. And I don't mean fingering the way that like adults think of it. Like it, there was no, I don't think he knew a clit existed. He, he penetrated me like finger, you know, like jammed a fingering. Cause that apparently feels fantastic. And he did that. And I just kind of sat there. It wasn't a sensual moment. I just, it was for him. I just sat there. I told him, I said, please go wash your hands. Cause I was, you know, at that age, I was very much like, oh my God, what if I smell? That was like a big thing. I said, please go wash your hands. And he's like, I will, I will, I will. So he gets up and before he washed his hands, he put his fingers in the face of his friend who was there with my female friend. And I just sat there having just been fingered. And now I'm watching his friend smell his fingers as like proof, right? Like, like, look what I just did. And, um, and I will never forget that moment. And it became a thing where every time he would go down my pants, he would go wash his hands. I, I was like, you have to go wash your hands. It was like, I felt so disgusting. And I think I was also now extra afraid that if he didn't, he would like leave my house and give his fingers to his friends to smell. Like that's what was in my head. And so that became a ritual every time he went down my pants, which mind you was never, ever pleasurable. It was never, it was never a, a, a fun time. It was literally just, I'm going to let him because it's already happened and I don't want to deal with him begging anymore. And since I'm already quote unquote, you know, tarnished because it's already happened, it doesn't matter anymore. So that was that. And uh, that was my actual, that was my first experience with like first, second and third base was with this one, this one guy. So that was my experience with sexual things was you're already tainted. So let me just continue. So now I felt dirty and I felt I was embarrassed because now the smell, whatever smell that was, became a trophy to share with his friends. Yeah, that was my first experience with anything sexual. He was actually my first kiss. And 
and I, looking back, I don't know how I ever was able to differentiate between a healthy and unhealthy relationship after that. I, I'm just going to call it luck and, and a really great relationship with my dad <laughs> because I had wonderful long-term boyfriends from ninth grade until my husband. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guys. I, to this day, nothing bad to say about them. Just respectful. None of that behavior was ever, ever happened to me in an actual relationship. But that stuck with me, obviously. I mean, here I am, how many decades later, I will never forget that feeling of like I was defeated. Like, oh, he's right. He was stronger than me. So he, he ended up touching it. And since that already happened, you know, I might as well let him do everything. And then after that, he wanted me to go down on him, which I refused. And I said, because I didn't know how, and I was scared. And he bought down a telephone at the time they had antennas. This is like in the nineties. And he said, I'll teach you how to do it on this antenna. And so he told me what to do to the antenna. I still was like, eh, I, this is like, ugh, like, I don't want to do this. So he ended up dumping me for an older girl. And he told me that she gave him a blowjob. And therefore, like he was glad he made the decision to end our relationship. And I mean, like looking back, I'm pretty glad he made that, deci <laughs> that decision too, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I have to tell you that even as an adult, we had reconnected over like social media. He hasn't changed much. <laughs> he hasn't changed much. And, uh, but you know, that shit stays with you. That feeling of like, I'm gross, like, ew, you know? And then it really does translate into adulthood because I think a lot of women in heterosexual relationships take one for the team often. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that the millennial generation is changing that because I see it like these, these millennial women are definitely more like more aware of how important their pleasure is. And they won't, they won't give any man a chance if they don't understand that too. And I'm super hopeful for my daughter, <laughs> you know, but I definitely that it didn't, that kind of mentality didn't stop in middle school for me. It, it's still, it's still there now. I'm just aware of it and I can talk about it, you know, and I have a husband who's patient, thank God, that mentality is still there. Yeah. That's a lot, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, you know, mainly it's like the, the fact that any woman has to endure any of that, just mm -hmm. I, I'm equally uh, ragey as I am sad. Mm -hmm. Um, I imagine most women have a variation of your stories, mm -hmm. right? And it's not okay until every woman doesn't have those mm -hmm. stories. Yeah. Right, and I, I know I was joking before, like it's 9.30 in the morning Eastern time, or it was when we started, and I was like, this is some heavy shit first thing in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, it's, um, but you know, like 
uncomfortable things are never going to be comfortable, whether it's, you know, eight o'clock. The only difference would be, I probably would have had like a glass of wine talking about this if it was at, <laughs> if it was at night, but, um, but, you know, I also want to touch on that, you know, as I got older, like I said, I, you know, if you, if you were listening to this and you dated me from like, you know, ninth grade on, this isn't about you. You guys were incredible. I had long-term boyfriends. I'm talking two, three, four years up until my husband. So, and they were all incredible. But I think as, as I got older, I think one would assume or hope or expect that this would be an issue, but it was. Uh, I had a situation in college where it was two, three o'clock in the morning. I was alone in my dorm room. My roommate was at her boyfriend's and there was a knock at the door at two or three in the morning. And for some reason, I decided it would be a great idea to answer it. And I answered it. And I was face to face with a guy that was about my height, maybe like five, five. So I'm like five, three built. He was like super stocky, ice blue eyes that were super bloodshot. He, he was like mumbling his words, like something was definitely off. He started to walk into my room, my dorm room. And all, I don't remember why, but I kind of like got all frazzled and was like, I have to go to the bathroom. That was all that could come out of my mouth was I have to go to the bathroom. I don't know, I don't know where that came from, but I was scared. I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. So he's like, okay. And he puts his arm around my waist and starts walking with me across the hall to the bathroom. And luckily because that's the only way I can explain this. My RA uh, was the dorm next to me, the room next to me. And she was on hall duty, which means she has to be available for t overnight. So she had her boyfriend over and they like stayed up all night doing God knows what, but they were awake. And she heard something in the hallway. So she opened her door. And I just, again, I wasn't like help. I just stood there with this guy with his arm around my waist. And she said, do you know him? And I remember being like, shit, if I say no, he's going to flip out. And I don't know what he's on. And if I say yes, then I'm screwed. She's going to go back in her room. And I don't know what's going to happen with this guy. So I just was like, mm -mm, I don't. And she was very tough. She, she laid into him. He yelled back at her. She ended up saying, I'm calling the cops, get the hell out. He, he left. I had to do a statement with the cops. And in my head, because quote unquote, nothing happened. That wasn't like a, a me too worthy moment. Nothing happened. Right. And the next day, our RA calls a hall meeting for everybody. And one of the girls didn't show up on the, on our hall. And so I asked my RA, I'm like, Hey, where was so-and-so? And she said, Nina, later that night, he came back and he knocked on her door and got in and he did assault her. And from that day forward, what we learned was that in college, you know, you always decorate your door. So you can see that there's two girls that live here or just one girl. So we were asked, all of us had to take down all of our names, all of our decorations. That was like the, one of the coolest parts about living in a dorm was decorating your door. And we had to take everything down. 
So in my head, I looked at it like, wow, she was the victim, not me. Like she, I'm like, oh my gosh, that poor girl. And I never really thought like, no, Nina, just because you were lucky doesn't mean that you weren't a victim. And I, I felt like it wasn't as big enough of a deal. So that was another example of that could have gone horribly wrong. And it was pure luck that it didn't. I wouldn't have been able to fight him off, not even close. And had he come into my dorm and shut the door, would I have yelled? No. I'm telling you right now, I would have done whatever he asked. No matter how strong I think I am or how empowered I am, I remember how horrified I was. And in my head, it was safer to just go along with it because if I didn't, he was just going to get angry. And he was clearly on something. I don't think it was alcohol. So that made me even more nervous, you know? So th these are the times where I kept saying to myself, it wasn't bad enough. It wasn't bad enough. It wasn't bad enough. So I just, I never spoke up. I never challenged why those things happened. I was like, oh, that guy was an asshole or something's really wrong with this guy. I never thought like, wow, this is a, <laughs> this is a cultural issue and on both ends for women too we're we're absolutely taught to be nice be nice that was just you want to be a nice girl be a nice girl well being a nice girl got me in trouble a lot and so but as a girl you have to decide you want to be seen as nice or a bitch because those are your options it's in our head. We don't want to be overdramatic. You know, don't make stuff up. Or you can see now in the news, not everybody believes women that say that they were assaulted. So all of our fears are validated fairly regularly. Yep. You know, and that sucks. Yep. That sucks. Yeah. Men don't understand what it's like to fear for your safety as much as women. And they never will understand what it's like. Like, I was speaking with a friend the other day and, uh, you know, we were talking about that kind of being out and about just in day-to-day -day normal life mm -hmm. and how fucking terrifying it is to walk down the street mm -hmm. and be a woman on your own. It's like men have so much fucking privilege in that space yeah. of you walk down the street at three o'clock in the morning without a fear without a worry without a doubt the idea of well i mean I, I don't know your experience but i imagine walking down a street on your own at three o'clock in the morning is the last thing you want to do it would, it would never happen that's it would never no. happen exactly mm -hmm. exactly and mm -hmm. it's just it's it's not okay yeah i mean we were taught at a young age uh when i started driving I was taught two things. When you're walking to your car, so don't unlock your car until you get close enough to it, number one. Two, always hold your keys with the key in between your finger in case you needed to punch somebody in the, in, in the eye. And once you get into your car, once you open the driver's door, always look in the back seat. And when you get in, lock your doors. So don't get all situated and everything and that like, when you get in the car, you lock your doors. When you walk to your car, you always look in the back seat. These are things I still do. These are things I still do. 
And if somebody thinks that that's, oh, that's so overreactive. Like you live in such a, 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 you know, like a safe neighborhood. It doesn't matter. It's like ingrained in your head. I always, especially at night, I'm scared. And, and no, I don't live in a high crime area. And the thought doesn't leave my head. No. And, you know, frankly, nor should it. Right. At this time. Right. It's like, what is safety? Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't say that a neighborhood is safe and therefore I am safe. Like bullshit. Like all it takes is one person walking down the street with bad intent or high on drugs or whatever else mm-hmm. to turn that fear into truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, in a lot of it, I, I think for me has always been about don't make a spectacle of yourself, which is kind of ironic because of the way I am now. But um, I remember being in Las Vegas for a work trip, maybe six years ago, wasn't that long ago. And we all got dressed up. We were walking down the strip and a group of young guys walked by and one of them grabbed my butt. And I you know, I turned around and at that point, there's so many, uh, there's so many people like walking back and forth, but I definitely saw the group that he was probably in. And I didn't say anything. What am I going to do? Go up to him and start yelling at him with, around seven other guys to be, to be what laughed at? Cause that's what would have happened. They would have, they would have laughed his, all of his boys would have laughed. And what was I, what was going to happen? Nothing. I wasn't going to say anything. So now I just got physically touched because that is what men are entitled to. Because what are we gonna what am I gonna do about it? Yell at him? Ooh, scary, you know? So yeah, you can you can you can touch us, total stranger. And it's funny. It's funny to touch a woman and laugh with your boys because you just touched her ass. And what is she gonna do? And did you see that guys? Did you see that? It was like a, a badge of honor. And one of my girlfriends was like, what did, did he just touch you? I was like, yep. And what? And what? Like in reality, what was I gonna do? Like that, I mean, what am I teach him a lesson? What am I gonna do, hit him? Like. So you, you start to like pick your battles and unfortunately you're literally picking battles that relate to your safety, your mental health. And a lot of the time you're actually going to choose not to fight the battle. You're just, it's just safer to, it's safer to lose. Yeah. You know, and and I'm not saying that that's a wonderful way to think. I'm just a realist is that what truly was I ever going to do in any of the situations I've been in? And I know that mine are far less scary than some of the other women that are out there. What was I going to do in any of those situations? I would have screamed. I couldn't have fought off physically any of any of the guys that that happened with. So if I screamed, I I run the risk of nobody hearing me and the guy getting angrier 
I run the risk of people not believing me and thinking that I'm just dramatic. So, you know, I mean, growing up, I feel like I was taught if someone tries to rape you, don't fight. It's just going to get him angrier. And I was like, okay. Like you, you just, it's like life or death. That's how a lot of us have to kind of think like, don't, don't get him angry. Don't get him angry. And if you don't fight back, you know, rape is about power. So if you don't give him a reason to feel that he has to assert his power, maybe he'll get bored with you as a target and not, you know, and, and these are lessons that I feel like I've never thought about until recently. Like, holy shit, we were taught, I was taught that. Not, not by my parents, but like it just somehow I picked up on that message. Don't piss them off. If somebody tries to attack you, like we had the occasional poke him in the eyes, kick him in the nuts. Okay. Assuming I'm in a position to be able to do that. But if I'm not, you know, we've always taught if ever you get raped, don't take a shower. Like these are, these are just like, normal everyday lessons. If you ever get raped, don't shower because they need the evidence when I can imagine that the first thing you'd want to do after being assaulted is take a shower. And we're saying, they're saying, don't, we need the evidence. And then the whole rape kit that's done in the hospital, I used to work with sexual um, abuse victims and I would go to court with them as an advocate and you're re-victimized all over again. I'm not saying that the, that the, that the rape kit is it necessary? Why well, we, we want to catch the person who did it? However, the reality of it is, you have to live through that all over again. You have to retell everything. Somebody has to put something in your vagina to test for DNA after it was just violated. Like it's a horrible thing, and I feel like women have been kind of we're we're used to thinking these things. It isn't, it isn't strange to me. And I think that's, that's scary. Like it isn't strange to me that we're taught yell fire because people will take you more seriously than if you yell rape. Like that, that says a lot, you know? So fire is scary. Rape, eh, you know, I mean, who knows? You could be drunk and, you know, you could... Maybe you're taking it a little too, you know, maybe you're just being dramatic. Maybe like, that's the message. Like yell fire, not rape. Because people aren't going to come to you, to your rescue if you're being raped, apparently. Because it's, it's, a gray, it's a gray area, apparently. But fire is black and white. If there's a fire, you need help. If it's rape, you never know. I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe she's just mad and, and trying to get back at him. Like that's, that's what we're taught. And this is the stuff that I'm going, holy shit. I was taught and I don't even realize that I thought that's normal. That's just women being smart. This is how we stay safe. I never questioned why those messages had to be created. And so as a guy, how, because you had said earlier before we started that, or maybe it was when we started that you had said most men have, you know, most likely treated a woman or women in a shitty way it it doesn't make them all bad men right (laughs) but 
what would you say or how, what was your process like realizing, holy shit, I did those things. And this, the, the ego bruise and the humbling and the, the pain that that, that that took in order to come to where you are now. Yeah. I mean, like there's still a lot of pain, right? Like being in this space and having this conversation with you, I feel responsible, Mm -hmm. but me for other men, there's a level of responsibility. I feel in challenging this, right? Like the whole reason I wanted to share in the first place was because if we don't talk and don't have the conversation, we can't be responsible, right? We can't be in integrity with our shit and and hold ourselves and others accountable if we're not willing to speak up. And um, I remember being a person with really shitty views, like really shitty beliefs, really, really quite bad. In fact, I remember numerous things but one thing one thing kind of stands out to me in this it's like I remember following a like an Instagram account or something and it was like meninist and it was like taking the piss out of all of the feminist things that you know you know really quite shitty and I remember my ex at the time being like I can't believe you follow that and I'm like what it's funny yeah oh yeah you know and and that's like a really small thing but it's huge, right? Mm. And it, I started looking at all of those different things and then going even further and being like, fucking hell, I was manipulative. I gaslit her. I, I absolutely manipulated her into having sex when she didn't want to. Mm-hmm. I, you know, all of these things. And, you know, I can say I was a product of society and I was right and and i have to be able to take responsibility and be accountable to that because i still did it mm-hmm. whether or not it was a societal or cultural programming i still did the things right and and this is the piece that i think is 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 missing and when, when why we end up with hashtag not all men it's because well it was in the past and yeah I might have acted shitty in the past but it doesn't matter now because that was when I was younger and and you miss the whole point by doing that mm-hmm. I am fairly sure 90% probably 100% of men have behaved in a misogynistic way or abused a woman or you know whether mentally emotionally physically whether they are aware of it or not, what I'm asking men to do is look a little closer and ask themselves some tough questions, right? Like, I I do today believe that I am a good man and that, you know, my, my primary mode of operation is I want to grow and I want to be better mm-hmm. and I want to face my shit when it is shown to me. And... Um, and the process of reconciling the fact that I thought I was a good man mm-hmm. and wasn't and having to tear apart my ego, set aside my pride and rebuild 
it's it's not easy right like the level of honesty you need to have with yourself and courage right if we are unable to face our truth and our history our past and if we are unable to face it and unable to to be with it and recognize it for what it is and understand it for what it is or was and recognize that we get to make a change and that with power comes a level of responsibility right and we live in a world where the power dynamics are shifted in such a way that men have it all and so we have to be able to be responsible with that and share some of it mm-hmm. and recognize that our physical size and or strength is not uh, an excuse to abuse it. In fact, the strongest thing you can do is learn how to use it mm-hmm. and not abuse it. Right. Are you still in touch with the girl that that post was about? No, um, it was one of those moments where we kind of reached a natural conclusion and, and both recognized that we were headed down a path of um, repeating the same patterns over and over again. And so we essentially uh, cut each other out of each, each other's lives mm-hmm. um, because I witnessed who I was. Mm-hmm. She recognized that that wasn't going to work and so I was able to step out and say look if I continue down this path I'm gonna be the shitty man for the rest of my life and I'm really not okay with that um and so no yeah because I I was right when you wrote I was like I wonder if she will see this and how she would receive it you know and and you know I was just curious to see if you're still in touch with her if she if she saw the post interestingly enough uh yesterday yesterday someone commented on the post and said um i hope you asked for permission before sharing this and i was like oh okay i didn't and so it's like okay so i can either get defensive Mm -hmm. or i can lean into this and see what I need to do or what I need to learn. And, and it prompted me to send an email and say, Mm -hmm. look, this is what I've done. Um, this is where it is. Um, and if you want it taken down, you only have to reply a no to this email and I'll get it taken down immediately. Like I'm not looking for a response. This isn't me trying to feel better or, but I want to make you aware of something I've done. Um, and I haven't had a response. I don't expect one. Um, but I see it's another place where I get to see the consequences of my actions, right. And that I get to lean into being much more in integrity and, and that's important to me. 
when something feels uncomfortable, our natural response, understandably so, is to run the other way. And that could look like literally ignoring it or getting defensive. So now I've trained myself that when shit gets uncomfortable, it's not a sign to run away. It's actually a sign to lean in and it's going to suck and it has to be done. And that goes in my marriage when something is uncomfortable or I have an uncomfortable thought or, or I'm fearing an uncomfortable conversation. My natural response for a very long time is either get defensive, beat around the bush, ignore it, because that's safe. That is, and I think, I think in general, we do want to protect ourselves. And, I, and I'm grateful for that response. And it gets us nowhere. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, a lot of the difficult things that I have come up against as an adult, I now see as opportunities to lean in and go, okay, this sucks for sure. And I don't want to deal with this at all. And if I don't deal with it, this is what's going to happen. And if I do deal with it, the potential of this or this is going to happen. And the only way that one can live as authentically as possible is to lean in when shit is uncomfortable. And yeah. I, I'm not saying that we all do that all the time. I, I know I don't, but I can say that it, the amount of times I lean in compared to the amount of times I don't are astronomically higher. And I think that is what accounts for my ability to remain authentic the majority of the time, right? This is a journey forever. I'm never going to like arrive, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm like, and I'm completely self-actualized and I'm done, you know, that it isn't going to happen, no. you know, but I am very comfortable now with the parts of me that I only saw as dark or the experiences that I only saw as making me a victim are now opportunities for me to take responsibility for the role I played in any of it. Not victim blaming, but more just this is why I did or didn't do that thing. How can I move forward and take that as, as a lesson? Well, I can talk about it on a podcast or I can write a blog about it or I can have difficult conversations if this feeling comes up again. So it's, it's about what do you have to own? What's in it for you by owning it? And what is it protecting you from by not owning it? Like there's a reason why we don't own our shit, right? It does protect us. It does. Yeah. You know, but it, you know, there, what's in it for you, what potentially could go right (laughs) if you do, if you do own it, you know, and that's kind of the, the process that I take myself through when something comes up, like, all right, why am I not talking about this with my husband? If, you know, for example, well, probably because it's protecting me from X, Y, and Z. Okay. Well, what's in it for me? If I do talk about this, well, this, 
the potential of this could happen. That would be awesome, you know? And, and I think that that's something that is, I mean, if it was easy, we'd all be doing it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's, um, like for me, the deeper piece is I, I need to walk my talk. Like I can't, I'm, I have no interest in talking about how good a person I am if I'm not being a good person. And, um, you know, like yesterday as an example, I, I can talk you through like the process, you know, it was like, how dare you call me out for not doing the thing? And like, and then into, um, oh shit, well, maybe I can just ignore it. And then into, you know, all of that happened in the space of 30 seconds. Right. And it's like, oh no, hang, hang on. Like, no, like, how can you, how can you write something like that and then not follow it up with the exact thing that you were talking about in the post? And it's like, yeah, okay. Okay, so I'm going to write that email. I'm going to lay it out. I'm going to, you know, offer options. I'm going to, I'm going to I have to be this. I can't just talk about it. And um, and I try to apply that to everything, right? I think, and and this is what it's about for me. Like this, this broader conversation about men being responsible. Like, what are you willing to take ownership of? And at the end of the day, you can't blame women for existing in a world that you've set up to be shitty for that you perpetuate the whole idea that you can blame the woman for being raped or the woman for being abused or the woman, you know, for any of that, it's none of that is on women. That's on the men who do the crimes and commit the abuse. Mm -hmm. And your unwillingness to accept that you may have been a shitty man in the past isn't helping anybody and it's certainly not helping you and it's not helping the women in your life mm -hmm. it is painful as all hell to realize and recognize and vocalize that you have been a bad person mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean you are a bad person it means that you did bad things mm -hmm. and you get to own up to it be a, a a point for change a an ally mm -hmm. someone who is fighting for the people in your life that you love and you can't tell me the men cannot tell me they don't love the women in their life and if they do own up to your shit in your past be honest be an ally apologize for the bad things you've done and promise to be better actively not passively you don't just get to say the words right you get to call out your friends or your family you get to raise your sons to be better men mm -hmm. you get to be a role model and walk the talk and i think because of social media so much of this is just so obvious now it wasn't always I think a lot of us, clearly, we just kind of went through it in silence and we're just like, well, don't worry. Like we were warned about this. We never challenged why we were warned about it. <laughs> you know, it was just like, oh yeah, no, we know. We know that guys can do this. Like, don't worry about it. Like we were like, as if we were so empowered simply by knowing how to protect ourselves. Oh my God. And, and never challenging, like, wait a minute. Why along with the traditional parallel parking rules did I also learn to hold my keys a certain way 
in case I was approached by a man? Or why, when learning how to drive stick shift, was I also taught to lock my doors the second I get in the car? It was, we felt like, again, I'm saying we like I'm talking for every woman. I know that I'm not, but it was definitely like, I thought that I I was ahead of the game. Like, I know, I already know all these rules. Like, don't worry about it. And I I never was like, Wait, why was I taught? Why was I taught this? Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, wait a minute. I have a feeling there's a reason behind why I was taught all these things. And I was looking at it like I'm smart and, and, and aware that I know all of these things. It was like what women should know. So I am smart that I know these things. I was never like, holy shit women have to be afraid of men that that because men can't control themselves when they see women right and so it's your responsibility to make sure that men can't get to you right Right. fucking fucked up is that yeah and with my daughter we want to protect her we do and that sucks (laughs) yeah yeah the fact is the system still exists right we haven't dismantled it by looking at it like it's Mm -hmm. it still very much there um and you know it's like it's it's for me it's the call to arms right let's let's fucking tear this shit down this Mm -hmm. this this system of oppression and um and abdication of responsibility Mm -hmm. right and there's no role models or spaces where they can learn what it means to be a man Mm -hmm. men are not inherently bad the system is yeah and masculinity is not inherently bad the system is Mm -hmm. the world needs more directed masculinity yeah in much the same way as the world needs more directed femininity right Mm -hmm. and all the time that men are not taught the limits of that and or the responsibility that comes with it i think we have we have a we we as uh, as men have a responsibility to educate our other men right. um it is not women's job to do this mm-hmm. uh, unless you have a son mm-hmm. um in which case, absolutely, to your to a degree, it is your responsibility. And it's also the father's responsibility if there's one around, right? Like, it starts with education. And, 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 and unfortunately, what we're faced with is decades of education that is harmful to women. Right. Right. There is a, a missing piece from certainly Western culture where in others it's like we are taking you out to the forest you're going to learn how to look after yourself it's going to be hell but you're going to learn how to look after yourself mm-hmm. and at the end you'll be a man mm-hmm. doesn't happen in our society it doesn't happen in our culture nobody turns around and says here's a fucking challenge and you've got to survive this thing mm-hmm. and by the way now you're a man mm-hmm. no one it just doesn't happen yeah And there is space for that, right? 
there is space for that in today's society. And I, and I feel like, you know, communities like yours are, are one of them, are, are one of the appropriate spaces where that challenge goes down, you know? Now, specifically, you work so much with the, the gender dynamics of human beings. That's like your, your forte. And I, and I have told several of my guy friends about, about you and about your community that you're building, because I feel like sometimes men get automatically defensive when the challenge comes from a woman. And I get that. I get it, you know, and to work with that, then, okay, then we need more men to provide the safe space for other men to challenge their shit. This one might be surprising. It might not. Um, uh, up until the last couple of years, I truly deeply believed that I had no claim to masculinity whatsoever. You didn't see yourself as masculine at all? No. Wow. No. And I wonder, I wonder where that comes from. Um, being raised only around women, I assume. Um, yeah, not having consistent father figures around when I was younger, mm-hmm. assuming that that meant that I was less manly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that having a non-typical sexuality um, would mean that I, yeah, didn't have a claim to it, that um, real masculinity um, wasn't available for me, <laughs> even though I was living it and being it and breathing it. Yeah, and- yeah I, that does shock. And I'm not shocked easily. That does shock me because I pick up predominantly on your masculine energy. The only quote unquote feminine energy, well, not even quote, the only feminine energy that I personally pick up with you is your ability to be in touch with your emotions like that's it and I remember our first podcast episode you said when you first came out at you came out as gay and you're like I was as like you know just effeminate as I possibly could be and I was trying to picture that I was like what would that even look like like there I mean we'll have to go drinking together I'll show you Like, like, aesthetically speaking, you couldn't try to be feminine. There, there's nothing you could do. You know, you could wear a tutu and I'd be like, no, he's a hot dude. Like, like <laughs> he's all guy, you know. To me, you are a masculine, emotionally aware man. I don't. So the fact that you didn't even think you could claim it as yours is it is is totally mind-boggling to me. And my assumption is most people in your life would probably say the same. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. <laughs> so so Jonathan, we covered so, so, so much as always. And I want to make sure that everybody knows how to find you. And if there's anything going on or coming up with you that you want people to know about. Right now, the best place to find me is misfitforlife.com and we are launching a new round of our coaching container soon 
um, I, sh I should imagine by the time this comes out, we will almost be ready to launch. So mm -hmm. if people are interested in working with me in a community space with a bunch of other coaches, um, you should definitely check that out. I think that's it really at the moment. And you can find me on Instagram, The Embodied Man. Um, yeah. Thank you again so much, Jonathan. And this is, I'm, I'm hoping that it was a meaningful conversation for anyone who's listening and to know that, you know, you're not alone on either end, <laughs> you know, you're not. And if you've done, if you've made shitty choices in the past, like welcome to being human and what are you going to do about it? That's, you know, absolutely. You don't have to be a man to have made shitty choices. Like I am a yes. and, and I have made really shitty choices and, you know, and I've done stuff to, to not continue to do those things again. So this yes. is this isn't a man hating moment. I love no. love 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 men, but um, <laughs> but you know, in this specific episode, you know, yeah, men take responsibility and 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 call people out. You don't have it. Isn't I think sometimes men when we're like you know call out your friends. It doesn't have to be this nasty fist fight of a call out. I mean, I call out my guy friends and they usually, it could be something as, you know, if they send me a meme that, you know, is obnoxiously misogynistic, you know, I'll either, I'll send them like the eye roll emoji or be like, really dude, you know? And they're like, oh, damn it. I didn't even realize it was that. Or they'd be like, oh, I forgot who I was sending it to. I'm like, yeah, well now you remember. It doesn't, and I love these guys. They're not bad guys. They're, you know, they're just, sometimes they need to be reminded that, you know, uh, oh, so yes. it doesn't have to be some, oh my God, it's going to like break up our friendship. It's, it's, it's not cool, dude. That's all it takes. Not cool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and, right. and that, and that, yeah, I think that's something that guys have to understand too. When we say call out your friends, I'm not asking you to like, you know, them. yeah, this is like, <laughs> misogyny has been ingrained in us since 1920. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, really, dude. We're not asking you to start hating your friends. Hold no, them to a higher standard. That yeah. is literally it. Yeah. 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 I love having you on. So thank you. And we will talk soon. Thanks. Yay. Bye.